0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church sermon podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from his word today.
1: It's good to be here. We've been looking forward to this. And uh, we had just gotten in the car and we are on the way over from the hotel. And we get a message that says they may have to cancel church this morning. For lack of power. I'm going, good night. But there's nothing you can do about those things. Amen? Yeah. I am going to be rolling out about our ministry to, in this service, in the morning service, and tonight you're going to get all 15 rounds. Amen? All right. And uh, my wife and I have a ministry that's called Training the Nations. And uh, what we do is we literally go around the world training pastors. Pastors, wives, and church leaders where they cannot get what we would think of as a formal Bible education, right? In America, you expect your pastors, pastoral staff to have Bible training, right? Amen? Amen? You, you know, you just don't want them winging it without any kind of grounding. Do you know that we are the exception in the world? And there are other countries where this is true, but there's not a complete overall in the world. We're in the vast minority of places where that happens. Sometimes it's because of the government. For example, my wife and I were in China last February the 4th to February the 6th. We were supposed to be there for a full week, But the government wasn't real excited that we showed up, amen? And I will tell that story tonight on why we were forced to leave and uh, what they did to our translator and so forth. Uh, We work with Chinese pastors and leadership training them. And in fact, later this month and into March, we will spend two weeks on an island training Chinese leaders. We will be in India. We leave the 21st of this month. In fact, last year, and you'll hear this again, last year was our first year. We started January 1st, 2018. I've been pastoring. In fact, years ago, what do you call Phil Pierce here? Mr. Pierce, Pastor Pierce, what is he called? Whatever we feel like. All (laughs) right. Phil was my principal. Just like he's the principal here, he was our principal. We've known them for a while and, uh, and all. We've been in ministry our entire adult life. And then we started in 2016. We went to the island of Saipan and, uh, to train Chinese pastors. I, I taught 43 Chinese pastors the book of Matthew that week. And uh, the Lord began to work in, in our hearts about this. And so I don't know if I officially resigned December 31st, 2017, or if it was January 1st, 2018, but the church that I pastored is our sending church, and they support us heavily, for which we're thankful. And the Lord has, has enabled us to do things that we just never dreamed possible. Last year, we were in nine foreign countries, two American territories, and drove over 30,000 miles and uh and things so you'll hear more about that alrighty let's take our bibles let's turn to the book of joshua chapter number 24. now i look in here there's a cross-section of ages okay um just I- i'm 63 in case anyone's curious My wife is 39, again, (laughs) and and, and all, and uh, I'm at the stage of life, I'm not trying to put my foot in the grave, and I hope that, you know, some people are old when they're 30, and I hope I'm not old now, okay, I'm just that kind of guy, I like to do stuff. I still like to ski. My, uh, our middle child and her husband live in Salt Lake City. He's on a pastoral staff there. Not at the Mormon church, amen, all right, and all. They are part of a church plant inside the city limits, Independent Baptist Church that's running a little over 300 now. Amen. So, but anyway, we go out there. I get to go skiing and stuff. I like it. And, and uh, I, I just, I, I like to do stuff, you know. I'll sit around and act old one day maybe, all right? My wife, there's women in here. I can't say everything I want to (laughs) say. But my wife, she encourages me. She says, why don't you act your age? I said, well, I was this age once. That's not a problem (laughs) and stuff. But I am at the age I have, all of our children are grown, married. We have grandchildren, five biological, two adopted. I have a grandson that was made in China, amen, and all, and uh, I don't know everything by any stretch of the imagination, but in over 40 years of ministry, you've seen a thing or two, you know what I'm saying? And every time you think, wow, now I've seen it all, the Lord shows you something else to remind you, you ain't seen nothing yet, all right, and all, but... With that having been said, I'm at the point where I wonder, what's our life going to be? And I can't take credit for this being an original Kimmel thought. But we heard somebody say this, my wife and I, and it really is our prayer. We want our last years to be our best years. And we want God to use us. And people that knew me when I was in Bible college, I just had the idea, when I am older and getting towards the end of things I want to teach in a Bible college. And I I, mean, I said that when I was in Bible college. And I'm doing that now. Only it's around the world. And it is exciting, absolutely. We're going to read a couple of verses here in Joshua 24. I think if you know your Bibles, you always think of verse 15 when you think of Joshua 24. As for me and my house, will serve the Lord, right? And that's a good verse, but that to me, that's not my favorite verse in this chapter. We're going to begin reading in verse uh, 29, and verse 31 is uh, our verse. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. I don't necessarily want to live to be 110, (laughs) you know what I mean? But you look at this. Here's Joshua. When you think of Joshua, you don't think of a lot of sinful actions. Now, he did make some mistakes. They had the defeated AI the first time, but that wasn't his fault. And then the one time they made the alliance with the Gibeonites who tricked them, but if they had have prayed, I'm sure God would have told them that. But David did, he didn't have anything like what David did, for example. You know, there's none of that attached to Joshua. Joshua had a good life. And then in verse 30, it says they buried him. But look at verse 31. And Israel served the Lord... All the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Everybody in this room has influence. Everybody. Some people have greater influence than others. But everybody has influence. I don't care who you are. You know, you ever go by a park in the summertime and you see kids shooting basketballs? And these little kids are out there shooting baskets, barely get it up, and this kid will make one and then he'll act like a hot shot and he'll say, I'm whoever his favorite basketball player is. Right? You know what I mean? You see kids playing football, you know, and a kid will throw a pass and a kid will catch it and depending who he is, you know, he'll say, I am and fill in it, right? Okay, there's the influence. Now, we may not have influence of a world-class athlete, but we have influence. And the truth of the matter is, our influence is greater than we realize most of the time. You say, well, I'm not up in front of people. I don't talk. I don't speak. Wherever you are, you go to work, people see you. If you try to stand for the Lord at all, they know there's something different about you. You may not be perfect as none of us are, but they know there's something different about you. Most of them don't thank the Lord for their bologna sandwich at lunch. You know? And if we're trying to live for the Lord, we do. Right? Okay? Our influence is going to be used one of two ways. For good or for bad. When you're at the end of things, how do you want to be remembered? You want to be remembered for the best deer hunter in the church? I do not hunt deer. I'm not anti-hunting. I, Bambi tastes very good. Hey, Amen. We got a guy in our church, man. I think the guy wishes deer season was 365 days a year. And when, and until this year when we were doing it. Ed, when you get enough deer that your freezer's filled and you still got a tag, I'll buy the processing on mine. And we've had venison every year, like I said, except we didn't get one this last year because of just our schedule and so forth. I mean, you want to be known as the best golfer in your church? You want to be known as the lady with the most used recipes in the church? What do you want to be used for? What do you want to be known for? Here's Joshua's testimony. All Israel served the Lord to the next generation. I have seven grandkids. My kids are not perfect, but every one of them are in a Bible-believing church. Every one of them. I am thankful for that. They are married and to this point have stayed married. Amen? And there's a lot of that not going on. They're not perfect by any stretch. By the way, for you grandparents in here, how many of you know Pastor Hightower up in Rochester? Have you ever heard of him? Some of you know him? He and I, we're best friends. We go back to college together. We have told our children, and you feel free to use this, that we have come up with irrefutable evidence that intelligence skips a generation. <laughs> and our grandchildren are geniuses. Amen? Any of you grandparents, under, you understand what I'm saying? Amen? Okay? My son says, yeah, where's your evidence? I said, go look in the mirror All right, but anyway that's free our grandchildren what do you want your grandchildren to turn out to be you want them to walk with the Lord I mean what do you want them to do I have a grandson that was found on the side of the road by a park in a town in central China and he's in church well he may not be because he had surgery earlier this week When they found him, he had a severe split lip and he had nothing in the roof of his mouth. And they got him when he was 15 months old. He's four and a half now. And they're, you know, I mean, we knew what had to happen. So he may not have been in church because he had that surgery Tuesday. But uh, under normal circumstances, he'd be in church today. We have a grandson that was adopted through the foster care system in Salt Lake City. His parents, his biological parents, drug addicts. Today, unless there's some sickness, he's in church. Well, he will be. It's 8 30 there instead of 10 30. All righty. He will be. You know what I'm saying? We're excited about those things. Okay? But we don't want him just to be in church. We want them to accept church. Now, let's take a look here. This is the end of Joshua's life. They have come in. Now think about Joshua. What he has done, what he has seen, his life. He was Moses' helper. I've picked out a few things. I don't know, those of you that have been in church a long time, you know your Bible somewhat, when you hear names, you think of certain things. Okay, when you hear the name of Joshua, certain things do pop into your mind. I always think that he's one of Moses' helpers. Well, he is Moses' helper. He is selected to follow Moses. Can you imagine that? How would you like to follow somebody like Moses? Moses wasn't perfect, but if you read the end of Deuteronomy, it says there's not a prophet like him since that has seen God face to face. That's what the Bible says about him. He led the children of Israel through the wilderness. How would you like to lead two and a half million whining Jews through the wilderness for 40 years? He did it. Did he not? And then to take his place. You know, there was a day when Moses said, Joshua, you need to go get an army tonight because tomorrow you're going to fight the Amalekites. You remember that one? Standing army, the Amalekites. And in the Bible, it doesn't say that Joshua said, what, me? You know, there was none of that that the Bible records, and the Bible records both the good and the bad, does it not? About people.
0: Well, here Joshua
1: goes out and he gets him an army. The next day he's down in the valley fighting the Amalekites. Moses is up on the mountaintop. Remember that? When his arms are up, things are good. His arms got tired, they go down, <laughs> it did not go so good in the valley, you know, and Aaron and her pick them up and it's going good again. And everybody talks about Aaron and her holding them up, and that's good, there's nothing wrong with that. But how would you have liked to have been down there, the general leading your army that you got together last night against a standing army of Amalekites? To me, that's one of the greatest things he ever did. Now we get to heaven. I, you know, Lord may straighten out what I think about that. But to me, that's incredible. Is that not to you? You know, and here he is. He goes, he's, he he, he goes up, and he sent. He sees the Red Sea part. I have a very vivid imagination, which <laughs> sometimes my wife. I wish you didn't always think like that. And I hope when we get to heaven, there's video replays. Don't you? Aren't there things you want to see? I want to see the crossing of the Red Sea. You tell me that all the little boys didn't have their hand in the water? I mean, could you see fish in there? I mean, it had to be incredible. Did it not? And then it drowned the Egyptian army. Now, liberals say that it was the Reed Sea and it was only about 18 inches deep. Isn't it amazing that the Egyptian army was drowned in 18 inches of water? <laughs> I mean, you've got to, never mind. I was going to say, to be a liberal, you've got to have something loose up there, but, but that's never, oh, okay. Joshua was sent as a spy into the promised land. Remember that? 12 of them sent They all come back. They all say the same. They all saw the same thing. They came out. This is another one I want to see a replay of. They came out carrying grapes on a staff. My wife and I get grapes at the grocery store every now and then, but we've never had to carry them out on a staff. Have you? Isn't that what the Bible says they did? They go in, they come out. They say it's a land flowing with milk and honey. That tells me there's a lot of cows and, sadly, a lot of bees. I don't like getting stung. All right? But there's a lot of stuff there. You know the story. Ten of them didn't see the opportunity. If you go back and read this, they had, the ten had the Israelites so fired up, they were ready to stone Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. And what was their sin? Trusting the Lord. Last night in a motel, my wife was looking on her thing there. And somebody posted a thing that somebody had written. And it says, faith will make you look foolish at times until it starts to rain. Signed, Noah. Amen? (laughs) You know what I mean? All righty, and here's Joshua trusting the Lord. Hey, we need to go in, he and Caleb. We need to go in. The Lord's with us. This land is ours. It's a promised land. Sadly, in America, so many of the Christians are like the majority of those 10 spies, and they don't walk with Caleb and Joshua where they walk. We were in China, and the persecution there is getting bad. If you keep up with this at all, it is getting bad. They have home churches. Well, do you know the difference in a home church and a registered church in China? A registered church, the pastor has to give his sermon to the religious police. They go through it and take out what they don't want him to say and put in what they want said. If you go in a registered church in the corners, there's cameras. And they also put plants in there. I, I don't mean a, a vegetation plant, I mean spies. And if the guy doesn't stay with what the religious police say they can say, they're in trouble. So there's home churches. The man that we work with in Saipan... Dr. Christian Wei has had over 200 men go through his program that are today pastoring home churches inside China. A home church will, most of the time, in some of the bigger cities, this isn't always right on, but particularly in the rural areas, a home church is like 50 to 60 people. It gets bigger than that. It splits, not because there's a problem among the brethren, but they start another church. I've had people ask me, well, why is it only run 50 or 60? How many people could you have in your house for church? You know what I'm saying? They can't sing. You know why? It draws attention from the noise of singing. The pastor can't yell to make a point for the same reason. They want preaching, man, and they want about an hour and a half's worth per sermon. They start coming to church two hours early in small groups because it won't draw as much attention to the people coming. Maybe you want to come next week two hours early. Then an hour and 45 minutes. Hour and a half. So as to not, because people are thinking, well what do you do in church for two hours? You know what they do? They read their Bibles either by themselves or in groups and pray. What a novel idea on how to get ready for church. The average believer in China reads this Bible about six to eight times through a year. How are you doing on that? See, this morning on Sunday morning, they didn't get up and check Facebook and their social media. They didn't get up and turn on ESPN to check ball scores. And there's not a bigger sports fan in this room than me. You say, you're just a decrepit old man. Inside me lives a six foot four, 240 pound linebacker. They can make Dick Butkus look like a sissy. Amen? <laughs> hey, All righty. Now, if you don't know who Dick Butkus is, that shows that you're not of the mature generation. All right. Anyway. In China, the gospel is thriving. Do you know what they said to June and me? And we've heard multiple groups in different settings. They all say the same thing. Don't pray for the persecution to stop. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you guys? Pray that we will be faithful. First time I was told that, it was just like hitting the proverbial mule in the head with a two by four. I've never been as humbled by a statement as that in my life. In America, we want to be comfortable. In China, they want to be faithful. And we wonder why the gospel's thriving there and not here, where we have all the freedom and all the opportunities. Here's Joshua he is willing to stand against the majority and say let's go into the promised land do you know what's sad is if you're gonna follow the Lord there's gonna be times you're gonna have to stand against the majority of the people that claim to be God's people that's what Joshua did you know what I mean and by the way don't think you know what's going on in church or whatever I don't know of any issue going on in church here okay I, I don't know the one but what I do know is that we need to have our eyes on the Lord following what he has for us. Moses, his successor, when Moses died, he takes over. Joshua saw the promised land conquered. He saw uh, the inheritance divvied out. If we were to read Joshua chapter 1, we would see that the Lord encouraged him to be faithful to his word. And he was, was he not? Joshua was faithful to God's word. He was faithful to God's leading. He was faithful as God's example, his character. He was daring in life. Do you know, I hate being bored. You hate being bored? Do you hate being bored? Amen. There have been times if I don't get enough amens, I turn around and amen myself. All right, okay. He was daring in life. Hey, wouldn't you like to see the Red Sea parted? Now, we might not see that. We might not. There's very little chance of us seeing that. But we can see God do great things today just like he did then. we got to be willing to step out and trust the Lord. Do you know when they went in to conquer the Promised Land, if we read Joshua real carefully, it says that the river overflowed the banks. I've studied that, and they said that at that time of year in that culture, at that time before they built levees and dams and all that stuff, that the river would often be a mile wide. How would you like to cross a raging mile-wide river? Sound like fun? That's the kind of stuff your mom told you when you were a kid. Don't go near that. And that's the stuff we told our kids. Don't go near that. It's not safe God told them to step out and to go and this is the generation that watched their parents their aunts and uncles their grandparents and their kids their friends parents die in the wilderness for not trusting the Lord man they were marching right out there when did the river back up when they took their first step in it did their foot get wet that's another one I want to see you know I don't know maybe the first step they got wet I don't know but I do know that it backed up and they crossed through on dry ground. It didn't back out up till they stepped out. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? Amen. We want to see everything happen and then we'll go. God says, you go and I'll make it happen. Is that not what happens? You know, it, it, it's amazing what God can do today. We think that God is old and decrepit like we are and can't do today what he used to do. Now, we wouldn't say that, but we think that. I wonder, all that stuff happened, but with all our modern technology and all of the modern minds and all that we have, God God can't do that. What you're saying is we don't need God. God can do today what he did then. Amen? God can provide We stepped out last year not having time to raise support. And God provided every month. Every month. We have, we leave February 21st this year. We'll go for a week in India, two weeks in Saipan, a week in Hong Kong. And then home we'll be gone about 32 days. We still haven't had time to raise all our support. And I'm willing to bet God is good this year just like he was last year if he wants us to do it. We come home, we're home about eight to 10 days. We get in a car and drive to South Texas where we'll be with a the ministry there and going into Mexico and we'll be down there three and a half weeks. Come home, home about two weeks, and we go back to Asia to repeat. And then if all the money's in and everything's good in 2019, we will be in Asia. When I say Asia, think of India, Saipan, Hong Kong, three times, month at a shot. We'll be in South Texas for almost a month at a shot, four times. We've been approached about going to Utah for a month. If you've ever been out west, it's not like here. I mean, th- there's counties that don't have 10,000 people in them. And there's about a half a dozen good Baptist churches that don't have pastors, And we'll be out there about a month if everything fits together. There's two pastors out there working on it right now where I'll preach like in two churches on Saturday, two or three on Sunday, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, just trying to keep these churches encouraged until they can get a pastor. And the pastor's got to either be a missionary or bivocational. You know what I mean? It's with the, the numbers of people, the Mormon influence, uh... You know, a church of 40, 50 people out there is incredible. I preached in Wyoming the Sunday before Thanksgiving about an hour south of Jackson Hole. You talk about beautiful area. The sign on the town said 366 in Thane, Wyoming. The pastor of the church was a kid in my youth group from 1980 to 85. We've known him since he was 14 years old. He's 53 today, pastoring that. He's been there 22 years. He runs 140. Runs 100. And you're talking Mormon territory where, you know, it's like being in Rome and what the Vatican says. When he went there, about 25 members. 22 years later, 140, you know. And that's going on all around the world. In places where people want to trust the Lord. Old Joshua, he's leading the children of Israel. He is daring. He's dependent on the Lord. And he was devoid of following others as a spy, as a leader, and as a parent. Our son had the typical Kimmel head, that means he was extremely stubborn. Amen? I am from Missouri. I was born in St. Louis. You know what the symbol of Missouri is? The Missouri mule. Amen? You know what I'm saying? That's because we're all a bunch of thick heads. And as I've traveled around, I've met a lot of Missourians around this country. All right? You know, but, you know, sometimes you can't give in to your kids. Well, Susie doesn't. Her parents are letting, I don't care what Susie's parents are doing. Our son, he didn't, he doesn't have the family back disease like I do. He's 6'1", and and he's he's athletic, and as a freshman in high school, he made the varsity soccer team. One night, I get a phone call, Dad, the guys are going over to this kid's house. I said, who, what, why, when, and where? Who's going to be there? What are you going to do? You know, all that kind of stuff. Dad, can I go? I said, are the parents going to be Dad, they're going to leave in a few minutes. I said, are the parents, I don't know, give me their phone number. Dad, you ever been there? Okay. I said, if you want to go, get me the phone number. He hollered. He says, my dad. (laughs) I get the phone, I call the house. I was in high school with the mother. She was four years younger than me. In fact, I saw the Patch the Pirate thing. Frank Garlock, it was his youngest daughter. All righty, and uh, uh, I, I answered, and, and she says, John Kimmel's parent, th- dad, are you Dave? I said, yeah. Dave, this is Gina. I, I said, but, her, you know, she's married. She said, Gina Garlock, and then gave the last name. I said, Gina, John's coming over. Are you going to be home? She said, oh, yeah, we're going to be here. The kids are going to watch a video. This, I said, that's fine. Thank you. I called my son back, John, you can go dad <laughs> what are the guys gonna think I couldn't care less what the guys think amen alright I didn't know I knew the parents but I do know the parents <laughs> alright and uh, uh, go on Joshua back in verse 24 says for me and my house we're gonna serve the Lord and the thing is they've been doing it this is the end of his life And everybody can see what had happened. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want it to be? When Joshua died, they followed the Lord. Look what it says. Look there, that second phrase. And all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua. The guys that were close with Joshua and saw him, Israel did right through their generation because of what Joshua did. Think of the influence. Think of the opportunity that you're going to have. He influenced his fellow laborers. He influenced his country. Does our country need some influence? I don't care if you're a donkey or an elephant. Does our country need some influence? Wouldn't you love to see our country get right with God again? It starts here in the church house. It doesn't start in Congress. If, if, if we haven't seen that, there's no hope for us at all. <laughs> they don't have, never mind. All right, get on that, and I won't be spiritual to preach. All right, <laughs> anyway. Doesn't it irritate you, though? They, they want us when they need elected. But never mind. All right. What's our legacy? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> what is our legacy? Just think back, what's your experience? Have you ever seen God answer one of your prayers? And, and granted, there's some prayers that don't come. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My family all got saved about the same time. My buddy, Hightower, this pastor up at Rochester Hills Baptist Church, his father, when he came to Bible college, was the pit boss of Cactus Pete's Casino in Jackpot, Nevada. All right? 17 years he prayed for his folks to get saved. Today they're both in heaven. Okay? Some prayers get answered quickly. Some it takes a while. Okay? I mean, what have we seen God do for us? I mean, things that can only be explained by the hand of God. Do you think anybody else could get credit for parting the Red Sea? You know what I'm saying? Knocking the walls down flat at Jericho. What have you seen God do? Our legacy. We're going to be remembered for something. Don't you want to be remembered for walking with God?
0: Let's pray.